Friends of the Island podcast, the Australian Survivor Recap podcast, straight from reality TV warriors. My name is Ben from Pal, and joining me for this season of Australian Survivor is a woman who's seen more Survivor seasons than you've had hot dinners, Michelle Pierce Denovan. Woohoo! Yes. So, if you're new to the podcast, uh, we we have uh, we have a very long history of podcasting together. We've uh, been many times on reality TV warriors with podcasts together for. For many different shows, uh, Amazing Race, Amazing Race Australia, Amazing Race Canada, lots of variation really. And also, there's this one. There's this one time with like uh, some little show called The Big Adventure, and there's another time we tried to do I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. But less said about those, the get better. Correct. So this podcast will have the dubious honor of being the first. Well, not really dubious. It's it has the honor of being the first time reality TV warriors will podcast in Survivor. We do have uh, Cameron with written recaps for the American Survivor, so check those out. But this will be the first time that we'll be podcasting about the show, and uh, we think I think the reason we avoided it before is because it's like um, you know if we did try it, would be like oh small fish, gigantic massive pond. Well, yes, it's sort of Rob C has that covered. Um, Survivor Oz sort of had that covered. Yeah, there are a few other podcasts we do. I do listen to. There's the Tribe with. Uh, all those people, I don't remember their names at the moment. Uh, there's Dom and Colin. Uh, there's Survivor Shade, which is, actually has cast members on, on it. So that's like a, you know, they've got stuff to offer there. We, we have none of, we have no one on there. We've got like a, we're just two, two reality TV nerds in Australia who are just like talking about reality shows. And this time it's a different reality show. We have uh, Survivor this time instead of Amazing Race. Yes, and we get a chance to actually talk about probably a good season of Survivor rather than the one that happened, what, 14 years ago. Yeah, that one, we don't talk about that one. So I thought we'd start off the podcast talking a little about our history, our personal history with, with the actual show Survivor. So uh, how long have you been watching the show, Michelle? I have watched the show since episode one, season one, when Richard Hatch walked around nude. Uh, love the show. It used to be my favourite show. Now it's my second favourite because Amazing Race has taken over. I play online reality games. Uh, majority of them are based on Survivor. Uh, very difficult to win, but I have won a couple. What about you, Ben? Um, I'm a very late bloomer. I didn't actually start watching the show until around 2011. It was uh, during my last year of high school I decided to like I decided that The Amazing Race wasn't just doing enough for me, so I decided to pick up Survivor, see what all the fuss was about, and then I got hooked immediately. It's, uh, I've only been watching the show for like five years or so, but still there have been five very good years. I've, I caught up in all the seasons very quickly, I, and now I've got this massive fandom that will not die. Love it. Love it. And uh, I believe we've just talked a little bit about our history with Australian reality shows. So what Australian reality shows have we... Have we watched from the get-go um i watched the mole i love the mole um i watched i think oh every season of big brother uh what else i'm a celebrity get me out of here uh what else has there been i think those pretty much are the three staple reality shows at least the three three good ones like there's and much- amazing race the oh best yeah one oh yeah lot. that one obviously we're the <laughs> biggest amazing race fans alive but like um you know there's a uh, there are other shows, it's like MasterChef, uh, MasterChef spinoff. Um, oh, seen all those. Basically, insert cooking show or renovation show here, and there's that as well. But, you know, nobody really cares about those because they're 
the same thing every season. Exactly. I mean, more so than Survivor. <laughs> mm. At least Survivor changes it up a bit. So you're around with the show since 2000, the first year. So I didn't have that luxury, but I imagine you did see the first attempt at Australian Survivor. I did, and I couldn't believe that they actually put it in the location it was in. It was in Adelaide on a – it was in a rocky, windy area. Basically, Survivor is about going swimming and having the whole bikini babe thing to ogle at or the six-pack or whatever else there is, but there was none of that. It was just too cold, and they just looked miserable, and the casting wasn't fantastic. Yeah, it looked very much – from what I, from what little I saw of it, it looked very much like one of those fan-made sort of seasons they have in like a national park somewhere. And it was very Aussie, homegrown production. It didn't really have international value. Um, yes, I mean th- this one is just in a different stratosphere. Oh yes, this is way beyond this. This is way beyond what I've seen of the original. Starting with the starting with the cast is there's at least like fifty percent more people on the cast than last time. Like last time there was 16, now there's 24. I know, they've gone overboard. Yeah, some, some would say that's a little too overboard, but, you know, like, well, I've seen reality shows with even more people, so, I mean, that yes. it's, to be fair, they did the best thing they could with it. Like, rather than two two tribes of 12, they did uh, they split into three tribes, eight on each. Mm. And that's our segue to finally talk about the cast. So on Aganoa, which is the red tribe, we have Dez... L, Evan, Kat, Christy, Lee, Phoebe, and Rohan. Because Rohan is a name people have, apparently. I thought it was Rowan. Is it Rowan or Rohan? It's spelt Rohan, but I imagine it might actually be pronounced Rowan. It could be. Um, interesting fact, Christy went to uni with um, my workmate. Oh, cool. So you've, you're a few degrees of separation away then? Yes. She was a bit left of centre at uni as well, apparently. Left of centre. You might uh, divulge on that? <laughs> she's, she's a bit different, isn't she, on the show? Ah, uh, we'll yes. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Ah, uh, yes. I've got my own stuff to say about her. Good stuff, though. You know, positive stuff. Right. Uh, next up, we have uh, Sinapu with uh, Bianca, Brooke, Connor, Flick, Kylie, Matt, Peter, and Sam. Now, they're very much... They're more like the... Uh, I'd say they're more like the Galu of the season. The, there's a token old person, but then it's very much all the young, pretty people, really. Mm, mm, and it is. The young, pretty people and one or two one or two outcasts. You've got your Shambo there with Kylie. You've... <laughs> <laughs> I mean that as a mostly positive, you know, comparison. Yes. But then we also have, we have Flick and Brooke there as the, say, Laura and Monica and... and got the guys there is the guy as the filler guys there and uh yeah that mostly holds water hmm. and uh finally we have uh Vavau, which has andrew barry craig jenna louise which is the hideously long name kate hmm. nick sue and tegan which uh i'm gonna guess they're supposed to be like the character tribe of the season where they're supposed to be a group of like people who are not necessarily like strategists or meant to be portrayed as strategists but they are definitely like characters I mean, when you look at the tribe and and you look at them in a row, that tribe looks most like a lot of individuals just being thrown together. Yes, very much so. They look like a tribe that's meant to be like, you're not meant to succeed. They're they're very much a tribe that looks like they have a a very uphill battle against them. 
Mm. I mean, you got Sue on there for one. Then you got on Aganoa, you have Lee. On Sanapu, you have uh, what's his face? What's the whole guy's Sam? You have Sam. You don't have you don't really have one of those on Vavu. You have uh, the closest probably Nick, and he's sort of like he's he's closer to a Rob C than you know Jay Byers. He is, and I'm not sure what an Andrew is. Uh, I have no, I have no idea, but you know, it's Andrew, really. Yes. So now that we've got, now that we've gotten our cast, we've gotten the names, we've gotten the, the looks of them down at part at least. Uh, let's just get in, let's just get right into the show, because like from the word go, it's it's visually the way they introduced Mo is pretty beautiful. There's like all those sweeping shots and stuff, and it's like you know, I imagine it's a lot more, it's a lot more interesting to see than Whalers Bay. Definitely. They have. It looks like they use the same location as in Survivor Heroes versus Villains, and by by proxy of that, Survivor Samoa as well. So you know the scenery. That the the reason they went there in the first place was the scenery and the fact that it's an island, probably cheap as well. But the you know the reason they went there, that's still evident there. It's a pretty beautiful place. And they probably wanted to fix the mistakes of Survivor One. Um, and make, actually make it close to the American version and actually put them on an island. I know people on um, the Survivor page were saying, why haven't they used places in Australia? Why can't they do that? I mean, first of all, you'd have too many spoilers. Um, I do know they, they filmed, you know, the uh, second series of the American series over here, the Australian Outback. But I think there'd be just too many spoilers going on here. A lot of people knew about the filming before it was on and knew where it was. I think they needed to do an island. So for Australian Survivor, we had people on the on the main Facebook page saying it should have been filmed in Australia. Yes, of course. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, the the Amazing Race Canada flashbacks. They're, they're too real. I know, I know. Why do you have to do that to me, Michelle? Why? I don't know. I've been on the Facebook page for the last three days just, I don't know, trying to make people see sense in what they're saying. <laughs> Some would say that's like screaming into a hurricane, but, you know. Mm. Anyway, speaking of screaming, opening confessionals. Uh, they're all pretty great, actually, because, like, you know, Kylie in particular gets a great first impression, but we'll get she's further on down the line. First up, we have Connor, who's introduced as a huge Survivor fan who compares it to a modern-day Hunger Games, as though the Hunger Games were a non-fictional historical event that actually happened. Yeah, yeah. They're modern, as in they're 10 years after the real thing, yeah. <laughs> and he is a law student. Yes, yes. He could have some brains in there. Possibly. All we know is a student of the game at this point, so. Mm. And uh, after that, we have L, who's... Elena, Elena, how you pronounce her name? She's she's going by L anyway. She's third generation army and wants to be a hero. Props to her. I'm third generation army as well. Yeah, I mean, it, I think anyone in the army could be a kind of hero for their country. I don't know whether winning Survivor makes you a hero, but um, let's see what happens. Yeah, I'll clarify. I'm third generation army in that my in that uh, my mum and her father were both in the army. I'm actually in the army. I'm oh. I'm I'm anti I'm, I'm anti authoritarian. So. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me, Ben. <laughs> Up next, we have Lee, who is against lying, cheating, and backstabbing, and thinks you can win without that. How boring. Next. Uh, <laughs> after that, we have uh, Dez, who thinks everyone will underestimate him, and he says his IQ is the highest out of everyone, and then he yells at some wildlife in his confessional. That was interesting. Yeah. From what I passed through of his ridiculously 
thick Aussie slang. I imagine he was like yelling at the wildlife because they were yelling at him for telling lies about his IQ. Mm. I heard I heard Whopper in there, so I think that's lie. Mm. That's what he was. I think he, that he, that's what he was getting at. I live near Nimbin, man. I might as well be living in California. <laughs> yeah. After that, we have Phoebe, who is a criminal cartel lawyer trained to get information out of people. And uh, from what we've seen in the rest of the episode, she is someone people will not see as a threat. No, that's an interesting job, but um, it doesn't seem to be giving her any help in uh, going forward in Survivor. I imagine it's one of those jobs that people, everyone in the season has been like, this job will help me succeed because X, I have to lie, I have to cheat, I have to steal, whatever. Like even the magician, it's like, you know, magicians aren't a threatening thing you can sort of weaponize that way. I don't know what you're doing there. But it's interesting. Criminal cartel away, that's a very specific thing. and I do find it very interesting. It is. After that, we have Evan, who is a drama teacher who will be hiding his occupation from his tribe because... They don't want him to think that he's pretending or uh, acting. They must, they, he's thinking that they'll assume that he's a wonderful actor and he will lie all the time. Right. I don't get that, but <laughs> not, it's not you. It's just, I don't get him. Yes, I understand. There are jobs out there that you sort of have, you will lie to pretend you're not that, like a lawyer, mm. private investigator, law enforcement, stuff that actually is threatening, stuff that uses social skills and all that stuff, stuff that's associated with being strategical, even though it's not really a word, but mm. drama teacher. It's not really in that pantheon. No, I, I don't think that's uh, right either. So what we can get from this is Adam just thinks too much of himself. <laughs> Quite possibly. You never know. I mean, he he really reminds me of a survivor, uh, past survivor in the American series. I cannot, for the life of me, remember his name, and it's killing me. Well, I'm not, I'm nothing but if an encyclopedia on pointless information. So, uh, do you remember his season? No, no, I'm not like you. And everybody who is listening to this, Ben can remember seasons, names for. Any survivor, an amazing race, and he's just crazy. Seasons for days, contestants for months, uh, <laughs> episode names for years. I will get there eventually and I will tell you who he reminds me yeah. of. Just blurt out halfway through halfway through a fort. Okay. Yeah. Uh, next up we have Flick, aka Felicity, who is a flirt who plans to use her body to get the vote to go her way. Uh, two, inter- two interesting facts about her. She's a meter maid. Um, so that's like... That's basically the um, the flag chick at a NASCAR thing, right? But for meter, for, but for parking meters. Yeah, she helps people not get parking fines, so she'll put money in their meters. Actually, the Gold Coast wanted to get rid of them because they thought they were, um, you know, taking their revenue away from them because they couldn't book cars. Oh, so this is an actual th- this is an actual thing people do. Yeah, it's on the Gold Coast. Oh, I thought it was just like I thought it was. I had the impression it was sort of like one of those glorified jobs that's not like really a job but to hear it as well, actually is really a job it's like oh okay interesting no them i don't know if they get paid they must get paid but they wear gold bikinis bright gold bikinis and they walk around in heels putting money in meters and basically taking photos with tourists interesting do they have uh do that do they have meter meter butlers going around bright gold speedos doing the same thing or no no just two girls and they usually have a gold bum bag or something like that my dad has had several photos with meter maids over the years right i was i'm (laughs) i'm very sad to hear there's no meter butlers but you know 
And the, and the second interesting th- thing about her is, uh, I'm not sure if I've got the relations right here, but her boyfriend's brother or cousin is Benry from Suave Nicaragua. I thought I heard her say Benry, and I must have missed what the connection was as well. Yeah, I'm friends with Benry on Facebook, so I saw him post a th- I saw him post a thing about her, about her, and he uh-huh. said, "Oh my, oh my brother's girlfriend or my cousin's girlfriend. It's oh. a relations girlfriend is is Felicity." Wow. Interesting. Up next, we have Sam, who thinks his downfall will be a beautiful girl or trusting too many people. He's pretty much hammers home the mateship thing pretty hard. Like, you know how before the season started, there was all this thing about, oh, this season will be about mateship and mateship and mateship. Yes. No, it won't. I'm I'm getting uneasy vibes from that because it's like, you know, they hammer it home preseason and now there's this guy talking about mateship and it's like, oh, he's not going to win, is he? You don't, don't want to make it that obvious from the get-go. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do look at Sam and think, oh, he'd be nice to have a drink down at the pub with. He's like your normal Aussie bloke, I would say. I don't begrudge him for his job. I don't begrudge him for all this stuff. He's, 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 saying, he's saying, you know, nice stuff. He's saying all this stuff about the, his job, how he's a, like a CEO for a charity, suicide prevention, that sort of thing. It's, it's all good stuff. It's like, you know, that's good for real life. But like in a reality show, there's like certain aspects i want to see and you know someone going around going on about mateship and the boys or whatever is not really up there in the priority thing i'd like to see i like to see you know i like to see senior account executives going around uh talking about how there's six person six person alliance out to get them to make them quit that sort of thing you mm. know com- compare the pair exactly up next we have andrew who's the uh guy we don't really see who's uh he hates the outdoors, and he's going to treat Survivor like a business trip, Yawn. He's going to do really well since he hates the outdoors. Well, to be fair, there's been a fair few Survivors who do actually do hate the outdoors. It's, you know, less. it's been less so about the Survival thing lately. But, like, you know, most of the time in the old season, Survival thing was actually boring. It's not like, not like, not in the way that, um, oh, these young people today, these new Survivor fans have no attention span. It's like, you know, Thailand... Seasons like Thailand and most of Marquesas were really, were actually genuinely boring. It's not like, you know, Australia was good. Borneo was great. Well, Borneo is like, I think is the best Survivor season. But it's like, you know, sometimes Survivor stuff, you know, just because it's there doesn't mean it has to be there. And it's like, is just boring sometimes. Mm, Yeah, I know. Anyway, he... uh, I mentioned that he's going to treat Survivor like a business trip. And uh, yes. once again, Thailand, that's not giving off not good vibes. <laughs> Depends where he is for the business trip, doesn't it? <laughs> Up next, we have Kylie, who is a firefighter and mom who left her girls behind, but they are everything to who she is. Every word she speaks is full of them, and they push her heart to swell tears from her eyes but she sees tears as a sign of strength rather than weakness i i really like i really like that that's a really good opening confessional it is but i have never seen tears i I just don't understand why she's brought in the word weakness because i've never i've never compared tears to weakness uh i've never ever thought that i think tears are, are for sadness happiness um i don't see them for strength either there's a reason for them how can they be for weakness or strength, it just doesn't gel with me. And I'm a person who does cry at a, a sad movie now because I've got children and it's just absolutely ridiculous. 
Well, but, in situations like Survivor, like sadness and painus are seen, seen as signs of weakness. Actually, yes, you are correct. You Mate. show no emotion on Survivor. Yeah. You show nothing. Yeah, like uh, have you se- have you seen like the main Survivor page when anyone ever anyone ever cries on any reality show? They're like, oh yes, they're terrible. Fan- yeah. Most casual fans are terrible. Not you, listener, whoever you are. You're not terrible. <laughs> anyway, uh. The host, I can't remember his name, so I'm going to call him Not Jeff, uh, welcomes the cast to Australian Survivor, which is the official first season of what I'm hoping to be a long and prosperous series. Let's just ignore the last two seasons. Correct. Anyway, the uh, first guy to get talked to is Nick, who um, talks about how he thinks he can win because he's been talking the talk, and so now he'll walk the walk. So Nick is uh, someone who's watched quite a few seasons of Survivor, obviously. Yeah, he even looks like Rob Sestanino a bit, if you squint, yeah. if you squint a bit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, up next in the Not Jeff talking order, we have Des, who thinks his age won't matter because... Matters and challenges. Doesn't necessarily matter in strategy. I mean, if you're a great guy and you're older... It- and you can talk to younger people and get in with them. I don't think it matters. But in challenges, it might if you're not strong. If you're not utilized correctly. Yeah. Like as we saw, as we saw at the end of the episode, Sue was utilized correctly and uh, she won in the challenge. You put the older woman on the puzzles all the time. Unless she's, you know, part of the Braun tribe or something like that. Well, yes. <laughs> And uh, last in the introductions, we have uh, Connor, who, once again, he loves the show, thinks of it as an adventure, yada, 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 about strength and will and stuff, Robert Caruso, Lord of the Flies, that sort of thing. I think if Sam and Connor got together, they'd be a really good team. Uh, well, they are together. They're in the same tribe. Yeah, no, but if they... They're in the same alliance. ...stayed strong all the way to the end. Yeah. We'll, be, we'll clarify, you're talking about Sam, you're talking about Sam, not Nick, right? No, Sam. Cool. Yeah, Sam. Um, I can see that. I wouldn't want to say that, but I can see that. Mm. Yeah. Like I said, I, I bias towards the older female contestants and female contestants in general and also Craig. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't – there's some contestants I wouldn't mind winning, but, like, the out of this cast at this point and what we've seen as Survivor – I'm I'm talking of like of the intro and stuff. Uh, the, the only person, the only two people I wouldn't want to see win are are actually Lee and Sam because I think it'd just be boring. It'd definitely be a victory that might be enjoyable to fans and might get them to watch the show. But for my personal needs as a podcast and a viewer of a lot of reality shows, it's not something I'm I'm really there for. I know it would be predictable. I mean, I'm let's talk about who who we think our who do we think will win out of the 22 contestants left at the end, but. Yeah, so uh, he introduces the tribes to each other, talks about immunity and the reward challenges, because the first challenge is right there. They have to race out into the ocean and get fire on a barge. The first person to light the torch wins fire for their tribe right out the gate. But before they get to the fire, they they have to go onto another barge, which has supplies for their camp, food, chicken, building supplies, tools, etc. And uh, It's basically the cornucopia from the Hunger Games. Connor is loving this so far, I imagine. <laughs> yes. So, uh, challenge starts. Everyone's racing out there. And, uh, you know, rather than sort of like, you know, everyone's sort of keeping their stuff together and keeping it on their raft, it's just madness, really. Everyone's just madly tossing it everywhere. It's absolutely chaos. And I love I it. I love it. I love, I love it. it. With the chaos. Especially when they do it in the American seasons where they're actually throwing it over the boat into a raft or something. 
they they always seem to be a lot more like organized and stuff seems to stay get stay together a lot more in the American one though. Like those like loose coconuts flying everywhere in this. <laughs> it was good. That's why you always wear a bra, kids. You don't want loose coconuts. Oh yes. Uh, and uh, of note is uh, Aganoa actually sinks their canoe before they even get out and release it. Gold. It was gold. Probably does. <laughs> so. Basically, they give up before they even get out, and uh, they just go back and get as many supplies for those camp as possible. Good idea. And while members of Sanapu actually start swimming out to get to the barge, uh, the blue raft actually blocks the uh, vow from getting any further. So they pretty much guarantee they're going to win, which Sam does when he gets the fire for Sanapu, and uh, that is how Australian Survivor officially begins. Yes. And I think Sam got the fire because basically he wasn't wearing half his clothes. Some of them were trying to swim after him with shoes and shirts on. Mm. Yeah, everyone was like shedding all their clothes right before they right before they went out to the barge, weren't they? Mm. Yeah, Sam included. Yes. Yes. Anyway, the uh, of note right after the right after the season officially begins, we see something rare that has never happened that has not happened since two thousand and thirteen. In the in the American season, we have an intro. I know a full intro of everyone actually in it, and best of all, it actually has the ancient voices theme because uh, there was a period of a uh, period of a few years, and I think it's actually in some countries it's still up to now where the uh, foreign versions of Survivor don't actually have the ancient voices theme as their theme for Survivor. They actually have uh, this thing called actually I don't remember what it's called, but it's basically the UK theme for Survivor, and it's like. It's interesting, but it's not. It's not ancient voices. So it can't. Mm. It can't compare. Mm. The original Australian one had it, and it's not that good. Yes, I know. Um, when that first theme came out, I actually years and years ago, I had a survivor party, and I needed the music. And you couldn't get the music online. It wasn't. There wasn't iTunes. There wasn't really anything around. And I sent from America for the survivor CD. That was made way back then, and I still have it now. And um, yeah, it's got the all original, ancient voices and the tribal council music, and and all the key music that they use through the show. So I love listening to that. Nice. I uh, I've down I've downloaded that actually. Yeah, you can now. Yeah, yeah. I've got I've also, I've also got a bunch of Russell Landau's other stuff. Like uh, I've got the uh, Gen- I got the theme from All Stars where Jenna's mom died. Mm. That uh, nice wailing thing. It's- mm. It's it's a, it's a real upper at parties. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know it's just a it's a very good intro. It's very stylistically done very well. With I mean the only, the only minor niggle is the text, but that's like a I imagine that's a more a stylistic choice. And I I'm not complaining. It's just different and it's noticeably different. So, but uh, you know everyone's intro is pretty good. But the highlight for me is Barry. Yes. Who aside from being the token, the only noticeably non-white person in the cast. He, uh, he, there's a shot of him with hair and he, his hair is in pigtails. It's nice. Interesting hair choice. <laughs> yes. So we're going to divide, we're going to divide our talk on the tribes up into what happens on each, each three tribes before the immunity challenge. So, uh, first up, Aganoa. We get the gen, we get the general thing where everyone arrives and introduces themselves to each other and we get a few more instructions as well because, uh, Des, a few more instructions and I should say elaborations as well because Des reveals that he was actually in the army, but he doesn't actually in, want to indulge the fact that he has survival skills. He just wants to let them do their own thing, I imagine. He wants to see them fail. 
Yes. I can sort of extrapolate from the end of the from what he does at the end of the episode that there was a long game plan of this, but we don't have to ponder it because his kids, you know, he leaves. Spoiler: If you haven't actually seen the episode, that he leaves. <laughs> so after that, uh, Lee reveals is an ex cricketer and talks about being in business with the boys and being the best. And that's just me having an ambient. Yes. All I don't follow cricket. I have no idea who he is. Uh, from the brief year or so I spent when I was like nine years old following cricket and that's that's, that's only because I ate a lot of wheat bix uh, and there was all that cricket stuff on the box. Uh, a lot of the cricketers then seemed alright but not my crowd so I can't imagine like starting the Lee, the Lee fan club. Well he is technically a, a famous cricketer, probably he's already one out there. He's got a good body. For 40 years old, yes. Definitely. Speaking of good bodies, uh, Ro- uh, Rowan, or Rohan, how pronouncing that, is reveals he's a model, but a smart model. <laughs> he's got to put that adjective in the front of it. Uh, my favorite thing about my favorite thing about reality shows is uh, there's two th- there's two things I like about reality shows that seem laughably quaint, but they're always funny when they pop up. One is when someone's occupation is like I'm a glorified instruction worker, but if you have to actually be really you have to actually be so smart to do this jobs, guys. Seriously, it's so smart because like people don't. It's like my. I'm just thinking, like, do people care about that in 2016? Mm. Like, I've seen a fair few of those in my time watching reality TV. And there's also or, there's also the other one, like, um, I'm a model, but I'm really smart because I'm d- yada 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 yada. Or in the Amazing Race, when you've got the cheerleaders, everyone's going to underestimate us because we're cheerleaders. Well, <laughs> to be fair, with the the way they cast teams in a in a lot of recent seasons, they'd be they'd be sort of right to underestimate. That's not aimed at one team that's aimed at certain mm. other teams like you know che- cheerleaders tiffany and krista amazing race 27 or oh, some of my all-time favorites but like yes. you know Brittany and jessica amazing race 28 eh, not so much yeah it depends so smart model is sort of like good good for you just that's not going to come up at all anyway uh in more character introductions we have cat who is a brand manager from perth who was given the lovable dictator award at work Interesting. Yes. I imagine I'm going to enjoy watching Kat for the next uh, how long she's there. And then she decides to lead the camp, which is a bit of a uh, no-no in Survivor. You don't want to lead. You don't want to do nothing. You just want to be unnoticeable and get on with everybody. To be fair, it's uh, only bad if you lead if you, if you lead and fail because, like, you know, people, mm. want to, people want to hit the highest, the highest nail. And when you lead, you're sort of sky high. You need to be a good leader, sort of do it surreptitiously. To be fair, it didn't look like Kat was doing a bad job. It's just like Dez was sort of like not doing anything. And, you know, yeah, then you had Rowan later in the episode saying that the camp would be quieter without her around. That's mm. It didn't look like she was being a bad leader. It looks like she was leading and then people, certain people were just not following. Yes. So, uh, and then Des, Des, like, as we mentioned, he immediately clashes with Kat because she looks like she belongs in the cafe latte scene and he doesn't want to be told to do it by someone like that. Right. Doesn't like people who drink coffee. Yeah, coffee <laughs> is the surefire sign of millennials. Like, you know, like all our Snapchat and our Instagram, even millennials don't know what it's like to live in the real world, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> And uh, he, his game plan is he plans on sitting in the background like Kung Fu Panda and sneaking in as the villain. Yes, interesting. Interesting choice. In- I can't wait to see how that pans out. 
Anyway, the girls end up trying to make fire and shelter because there's only so many there's only so many hours in the day. So L ends up take, taking charge of the fire, and they ask Des for help because with his you know army of survival training, but he can't be bothered and laughs about and laughs about it. So he actually says, "Nah." Oh, that's like that's like something a cartoon villain does. I, just, actually, I, was, I was shocked. I was shocked, thinking, "Okay, you want to go past." one show don't you like one tribal council i mean to be fair if if like cat had had actually robbed everyone the wrong way he might have survived he may have yes because there was because of what he does after before tribal council so but you know this is not that universe and they do not make those look good this episode no Especially because, like, later on in the first night when they're all miserably spooning together for warmth, he isolates himself from them even further. Yes, but they can't really make the edit to make him look better than what he is if he's not actually trying. True that. Anyway, the camp eventually floods from the high tide and wipes out the... and just wipes everything out. You know what? I was feeling bad for them, but I was actually laughing at the same time because they all came down to lie on the sand and then the water was coming up and... I don't know. It was just, it was a tragedy, but a laughable tragedy. I think that's called Schadenfreude. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, in in a happier tribe, in we go over to Vival, which is, you know, basically the it's sort of like the happy family tribe with uh, the actual happy family tribe, not like Sanapu. We'll get to that later. It was, sort of, it was sort of like the Brady Bunch over there. Everyone was really happy, getting on together, you know. Kind of like cheaper by the dozen, actually. Yeah. Although there is a Brady Bunch actually might be close because there's, you know, eight people in the Brady Bunch plus Alice and then there's eight people on this tribe. <laughs> have, they, have they got the chicken? Who's got the chicken? I think they have the chicken. Well, there you go. There's Alice. <laughs> oh, name the chicken, Alice. So they, uh, basically their priority is like, yay, they celebrate and then they realize, oh, we have no idea what to do. Mm. Yeah, they're all happy and laughy but completely aimless. And you know what's strange is they were all standing around not knowing what to do and they were all happy, but um, Nick said something like, what, what is the priority here? Now, Nick, Nick knows the game. He knows Survivor. So he's playing it there and pretending he doesn't know what he's doing, but he wants something to be done, doesn't want to be leader, but he's obviously saying that to get someone else to say something. He's trying to lead but not be a leader. Clever. Yeah. I've noticed I noticed that as well. I didn't notice maliciousness of it until now because it's like sort of like people trying to get people to do what you want them to do without actually telling them what you want them to do. Sneaky, sneaky. Well, yes. And you know what? That's a good way to get far in Survivor. Anyway, uh, first up as far as character introductions go, we have Craig who is introduced as this, te- as this season's token homosexual. He will be cha- challenging the alpha males. He was very happy about it. Uh, yes, I w- I'm, a big fan. I'm a big fan of Craig so far. <laughs> I listen to Beyonce and I can be a bitch. Wait, did he, did he say that or did I, just, did I just imagine that? No, I think he did. Oh, I don't, I don't know actually. It sounds like he could say that. It's definitely something he could say. And uh, basically, uh, they try and make fire and fail. And then decide, let's, oh, we've done enough. Let's go lounge in the water. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> yeah, as, I'm, as I said before, these, this, is, this is the tribe without sort of the, uh, the Lee or the Sam, of the, the Sam of the season. So, you know, it's not, it's not the most uh, 
it's not the most scenic lounging in the water shot, but you know, it's it's, it's a fun scene. It's a fun scene anyway. So. And I think Nick would have been in that water going, oh, God, we really should be doing something. What am I going to do now to get them going? Yeah, and they do finally get together and start making a go up building a shelter. And it's through that we uh, get introduced to Sue. And uh, Sue is pretty much one of the standouts before the show started. And we finally get more of a backstory. We find out she has 17 grandchildren. She was a customs officer. She's done all sorts of crazy army stuff, like driving Land Rovers out of the back of a Herc in Reserve Army. And uh, basically get nothing but mountains upon mountains of praise for her being large in life and getting them all to work together. And then they finally get the shelter together and then the floor collapses. <laughs> all in all fun times. Yeah, exactly. They even laughed when the floor collapsed and I'm sure they fixed it easily. But, um, yeah, they were, they were a fun tribe. You know, there's, uh, we don't really get much more than that this episode or even the next episode actually. But, you know, there's obviously reasons for that, but, which we'll get into later. So last but not least, we have Sanapu, and uh, everyone's pretty stoked after winning the first challenge, and we get a bunch of character instructions again. We get Connor once again talking about how hot he used to be on Survivor, and uh, doesn't want to embarrass himself on national television. We'll get back to that later. I think um, you will embarrass yourself anytime you're on national television. I, I think it's sort of something that will happen anyway. Yes, because cameras, 24-7, two months. Mm. And uh, up next we have Kylie talking about how everyone thinks it's cool that she's a firefighter, but she's sort of also actually hoping people underestimate her because I can see I can sort of see where she's coming from with that. Yes, definitely. Like they want to see they want to see you as a character, but not like a threat. I think they'd obviously see her as a threat in any physical challenges because she obviously has to be pretty strong in her job, uh, but they don't know what her brain is like. To make a survival comparison, she wants to be more Sandra and less Sydney. Yes. Because, like, Sandra is, like, Sandra is seen as a character. She's known for her mouth and her honesty, and that's how she won twice, possibly three times, depending on the next season goes. And uh, compared to Sydney, who's, like, you know, bodybuilder, huge physical threat, she might not have won all the mini challenges, but, like, she was targeted pretty, you know, continuously for being a physical threat, so... Mm, exactly. You got to walk that balance. That's not a sequence of words, but you got you got to balance you got to balance the two. Or actually, no, you don't have to balance two. You got to lean towards being more a character that people look over rather than seeing being as a threat. Seeing as a threat. But also, I guess if you are Kylie, you sort of do need to like keep yourself safe every every once in a while with immunity. Exactly. I lost track of what I was saying there, but it. <laughs> I understand. It was probably important. <laughs> it was good. So we also get a we also get a scene with uh, Sam talking about run, how he runs a mental health charity. Yeah, he's a CEO. It, it's a pity they didn't put the name of it up there for him. I don't know why they wouldn't do that. Actually, I guess that I guess they're not actually paying, playing for charity. So, mm. Mm. and uh, we get Bianca talking about how she she works in insurance, but in actuality, she works as a private investigator and just wants people to think she's boring and dry, so they underestimate her. Like eighty five percent of people this season, I'll I'll say I'm this, so they'll underestimate me. That sort of thing. So basically, her modus operandi is collecting intelligence, using it, and killing spiders. Yes, well, collecting intelligence is what most people do on Survivor, regardless of what job they have outside. Yeah, she gives a good talking head though. So, and uh, going back to Connor not embarrassing himself, he uh, burns his hand. 
Poor Connor. Yeah, so he grabs a hot stick off the fire, burns his hand, and uh, Kylie rushes in to help and make sure it keeps, it keeps his hand in the cold water to stop it blistering. And as a result, he ends up spending most of his day sitting in the water alone. I think that was a bit of overkill because apparently it, you don't need to sit a whole day in water or even have running water for that, that long. But um, I suppose he's worried. I mean, you really can't get infections out there or you're just gone. From the point of view of someone who has no medical experience whatsoever, I imagine that's sort of like, yeah, it's very easy to get infections out there because, you know, you're starving and there's, it's, the, it's the middle of the jungle, island. There's no antiseptic. I mean, what happened in the last season of Survivor? Three left because of infections. They just, they were pulled from the game. Actually, there was a lot more infections than what was shown on TV. But, like, um, only three, only one of them, the infections resulted in a removal from the game. Are you sure? There was the girl and the guy. Oh, God, what's their names? I can't remember. She actually has scars now from the infections. They had to cut things out of her skin. Liz had a staff infection. Peter had a staff infection. Uh, Neil had a staff infection. Debbie had something going on. And uh, Joe ended up getting medically evacuated after eating himself into a coma. (laughs) That wasn't a very uh, livable tribe. That was sad. Yes. So uh, while he ends up spending most of the day sitting in the water, not being able to connect with the tribe, uh, Flick and Brooke are chopping palms down and accidentally come across a hornet's nest. That could have ended badly. Yes, it could have. It could have ended in like five evacuations. That would have been interesting. Although it would have shortened the season down a lot. No, bring in the five reserves. <laughs> Intruders. <laughs> that does sound like Australia. <laughs> and uh, Sam makes a go at building the shelter while Connor sits in the water. And uh, after he, after Connor eventually comes in from the water, Flick basically pulls him into Alliance. Yes, the first Alliance we sort of see really talked about. Yes, we've got... There's a, in this alliance, we have Flick, Connor, Matt, Sam, and Brooke. Seems like a motley crew. Mm. It is, isn't it? Um, I've seen Matt somewhere. I've seen him on some talent show. I'm going to take a wild guess here. Australia's got talent? Maybe. I don't, well, yeah, it has to be, doesn't it? It's not expected. He did sort of introduce himself here, but it's sort of like an offhand thing. He didn't even get it like a confessional about himself. Hmm. <laughs> He just sort of like mentioned, oh, I'm a magician. Ah. I really should have Googled that before tonight. Oh, well, well uh, after all that, we, get, we finally get to the first immunity challenge of the season, which is, in Grand Survivor tradition, obs- an obstacle course and a puzzle. You know, it's sort of part of the course by now. And uh, it's sort of like an obstacle course, and it really is just an obstacle course and a puzzle, where six, six runners race over two large A-frames, a net roll, before moving on to a blown bridge obstacle course to get the runners across a set of gaps with planks, before ending up pulling a chest of puzzle pieces the length of the entire course, after which puzzle makers then take the pieces and solve the puzzle to win the tra- to win immunity. Very uh, Survivor US. Very Survivor US compared to compared to the original Australian Survivor challenges, which one was like count to forty five minutes and light a and light a torch. Yes. Oh dear. I know. Let's not talk about them anymore. So tragic. Yep. In the fluff talk for the challenge, we actually get Aganoa trying to pretend they actually got fire and that their camp wasn't wiped out, and that sort of falls through. Why pretend? It's actually funny. Makes good TV. Yeah. <laughs> so on the puzzle, on Puzzles for each tribe, we have Des and Kat for Aganoa, Andrew and Sue for Vivao, and Matt and Flick for Sanapu. 
and uh, it was pretty good challenge. It's like nothing to really write home about. It's just good running up and down, get climbing over things, sorting things out, trying to get across the gaps. And there was a few things we noticed. And the first thing I noticed, we actually hear someone yelling shit during the puzzle, which is surprising compared to US Survivor, which we probably, that probably would have gotten bleeped out. Yes, definitely. I mean, Sandra, Sandra will be fine over here. Nothing, nothing of hers will get bleeped out. <laughs> Meanwhile, in physical comedy, in more physical comedy compared to like the start of the season, we uh, Barry stacks it while trying to climb the net roll. It just sort of like jumps up, then falls. That sounds a bit like um, one of our favourite... U.S. survivors that sort of slid down one of those triangles in the water. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, not his finest hour. <laughs> anyway, uh, meanwhile, going back to drawing parallels, we actually get the we actually get not Jeff's yelling uh, "dig deep." He did not. I missed that. Did he really say "dig deep"? He really said "dig deep." Oh, my God. We don't say that in Australia. Why is he saying dig deep? Because legacy, I have no idea, dig honestly. Dig deep. Dig deep. He didn't say it like that, but, you know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm exaggerating. So before they get to the puzzle, Des tries to yell instructions during the blown bridge part, and everyone just tells him to shush, basically. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it's, you know, pretty much emblematic of Des's entire time in Survivor so far. Well, he, he he wasn't very friendly that day at all, so he deserves to be told to be quiet. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, and what ends up happening is Des once again tries to tell Cat things about the puzzle she already knows, even though she's pointed it out already. So it's like she points out at the start, oh, the, the French panties are in the corners. And then he's like, way later, while I'm tr- still trying to do the puzzle, he's like, oh, the French panties are in the corner. And it's like, thank you, Des. <laughs> So eventually, uh, Sanapu blows away the other two tribes in the puzzle section and wins immunity for the for the tribe. And then, eventually, because of Des and Cat, Vival eventually surpasses Agnoa and wins second immunity, sending Agnoa to tribal council. And a funny part of that was uh, when you know in the celebratory, well, the morning hug sort of thing, where they're all just like, "It's okay, it's okay." You hear Evan saying, "It's all good, it's all good," but like in the tone of somebody who's very badly lying about it actually being all good. It's not all good. They just lost the challenge. You're not going to say, "Yeah, you did a crap job," but you're not going to just say, "Yeah, it's all good." I think it's very much a cultural thing because, like in in America, they just sort of like huff, they just sort of like stare at the ground objectively and just like sort of huff. Yeah. Whereas in Australia, we're very much more encouraging, I guess. I don't think I'd say it's all good. I'd go all good. I'd be cranky. Well, a general cultural thing, not specific, yes. not specifically everyone in Australia. Well, no, <laughs> not having a go at you. That's fine. <laughs> but yeah, he Evan. Evan is a you know he says he's an art teacher. He is a drama teacher, but he's also very bad at acting because he's the tone in which he said it was like very much. It's all good. It's all good. Is very much in that tone of like someone who's very, like I said, very badly lying at it, about it actually being mm. all good. It's like, don't quit your day job, Evan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so before Tribal Council, we get the final scene with Aganoa, where Des once again points out something the cat already did in the puzzle, which is, you know, I imagine very annoying for the tribe to have to hear again after actually losing. Mm. And per Rohan or Rowan, how? I'll eventually remember how to pronounce his name, but per whatever his name is, we actually find out that the target is between Cat and Dez because Cat is too loud and Dez is annoying, apparently. 
And through that, we actually find out that through Kat, actually, there is a Women's Alliance going on who are all targeting Des. Mm. By Women's Alliance, it's actually Kat, Phoebe, and Elle because Christy's off doing something else. And uh, speaking of Des, Des is actually gunning for Kat. And he finds out he finds out that he is actually one of the targets by pestering Lee about who the target is repeatedly and pretty much tries to put his long game into action where he's like he holds off on all this stuff he knows about until now and then he's oh I should actually help start I should actually start helping out with the tribe now. Yeah. We'll see how that works out. Yes. <laughs> so before before Tribal Council, we actually get Evan, the drama teacher who admits he's a drama teacher or he shouldn't have been this a drama teacher, he outlines the three alliances in the tribe. We have Sam, Sam and Rowan on one side, Cat, Phoebe and Elle on the other, and in the middle there's himself, Des and Christy. And within that we get Christy saying she doesn't traditionally like going with all-girls alliances. Yes, what does that mean? I mean, she hasn't played Survivor before, and when she says she doesn't traditionally do that, does she play online reality games? Because if she doesn't traditionally like All Girls Alliances, does that mean she's just saying that from watching the show or from actually first-hand experience of having an alliance? Um, I actually read it more as uh, she doesn't automatically buddy up with people, buddy up with um, or do the all girl thing in real life. But right. you know, unless we do actually get hear it from the horse's mouth, it's like it's hard to find that because like they sort of like to pretend that. Or ORGs aren't a thing because it's not sort of th- something that's easy to explain to, you know, Joanne. Normal people. <laughs> yes, normal people. Joanne and Cletus, the viewer at home. Uh, the viewer at home who fawns over the hot guys, thinks crying, crying women should be shot or whatever. Yes. That, that sort of viewer. How do you explain to that viewer, oh, we have we have like 18 people who they, we all sit at home on a computer and play virtual games with each other and vert ver- each other out of, our, of a virtual... Trouble council. <laughs> yes. That's a thing normal people do, right? Well, yes. Hundreds of thousands of people do it, but anyway. I think I think a grossly grossly inflating the number there. Hundreds of thousands? No, no, hundreds or thousands, not hundreds of thousands. God, no, not that many. That makes more sense actually. That's <laughs> um, but what I can say from my own experience of all girl alliances, I don't do them because they're not very reliable. Girls just go off and do crazy things and all of a sudden have different, you know, ideas and, yeah, they're not good. So got a bit of a tangent on the ORG thing. Like, I've been a bit of... I've used to play a bit of ORGs, like, online reality games to for those uninitiated. But, like, um, it is very much a male-dominated a male dominated field, isn't it? It is. And when you get an, a, a chance to do an all-girl alliance... Um, it's interesting and it's exciting because it doesn't happen, but I wouldn't recommend it because it's just very hard to keep the momentum going with women who have all these strange ideas and suddenly decide they want to do other things. Interesting. Yes, so I prefer having a mixed bag. So back to the real Survivor. Real real world. Back to real Survivor. <laughs> we finally get to the first Trouble Council, which is... It is like a few years ago, we probably have a bit more to say, but it is very much a run of the Mill Tribal Council where we get a general recap of the tribe, how, you know, everyone recaps how Dead suddenly has all this shelter building knowledge and everyone recaps how the mini challenge was lost. Sort of that, like, you know, but sort of, it was just really a 
generic sort of thing. But as to the show's credit, they actually do make they actually do make it look like there's suspense in Dez possibly staying because they do a, a whole bunch of highlighting of Cat's flaws here. Mm. I'm surprised they actually didn't um, call on Kylie from uh, Sanapu to come and uh, deal with smoke inhalation at Tribal Council. Oh yes, they were they were seated very close to the fire. I've never seen any survivor that close to the fire. They were basically hotboxing it there. <laughs> so once again, not a very eventful Tribal Council, but they do eventually get to the vote, and the very first vote of the season is Cat voting for Des, and then we get Des voting for Cat, and. In mildly amusing moments, Des yells his vote for everyone to hear, which is sort of kind of hilarious. Mm. But it's all for naught because vote to Red and it's 7-1 vote, vote to Des, who's the first boot of Australian Survivor. Yes. Look, he looked to be a great character. I thought he was going to bring a lot to it, but then seeing how he, he was portrayed, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm going to say that he is a bad person. I'm just saying how he was portrayed was a bit disappointing. And you know you don't you can only take so much from an edit, from an edit, but uh, we've lost a good character. I mean, I'm you know I've on a bunch of other podcasts I do. I'm usually a very like I'm usually a very vocal person towards like political correctness. That's uh, political correctness treating people treating like people such as myself or women or minorities that sort of thing with respect. And Des was a guy. Des and Des was like a guy who was talking about how he doesn't like women telling him what to do. And so like. I sort of, on principle, I'm against that. But on the other hand, A, it's a, th- it's a show about different walks of life. B, he's 59 years old. C, probably doesn't have to, he probably, probably doesn't care what I have to say anyway. And D, he's, he's, he was bound for a short time in the game anyway. So He was. He was never going to go very far. Yeah, it's not, it's not something I can really get, get worked up about. It's like, you know... An old 59-year-old guy saying, I don't like women telling me what to do. It's like, and then immediately getting burned off. Like, you know what? I'm down for that. He was sort of funny. He was, you know, he was funny along the way as well. Mm. Cafe Latte, Kung Fu Panda, IQ Higher Than Hot Dinners. Lots lots of gems in there. Yeah. All right. So what we're going to do right here is we're going to cut this off right here. We've got two episodes to cover. So we will conclude with our thoughts on the second episode in our second episode of this podcast. So see you soon. Bye.